You are listening to From Sobriety to Recovery with Jesse Mogul. Welcome to the show. Hello, my friends, and thank you for joining From Sobriety to Recovery. I am your host, Jesse Mogul, and I am in addiction recovery. Today, we have an awesome awesome interview set up for you all. If you have not paid attention to Instagram, which you should be, there are some really great resources over there for the sobriety and recovery movement. It is being taken out of the shadows and is being brought into the light. And these are two amazing ladies who are actively pursuing exactly what I am. And so I really believe that introducing you to them will be an awesome opportunity for you to jump over onto their social media, see what it is that they're all about. They are from the account called Sober Experiment. It is Lisa Walker and Alec El- Alex Ellsworth. I knew I was going to mess that part up. I was the way around. Alex Other, Walker and Lisa Ellsworth. So you guys have an order that you prefer it in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So hold on. Hold on. Um, they are from the Instagram account Sober Experiment. If you'd like to find them, it's all one word. It's Alex Ellsworth and Lisa <laughs> Walker. Sorry. <laughs> Jesse, sorry, we've got to stop you. No, Alex Walker, Lisa Ellsworth. <laughs> <laughs> so we are that way round, but the surname's the other way round. <laughs> I really, this is the part where I want to leave it in so that people realize how many errors <laughs> could be made. There's a, there's a bit of a nervous, I will, I will. You say. should do. Yeah, it's this. This it's is like human. see, see, people. We make mistakes too. I've and I've written the names down three different times, and I've researched <laughs> their social media account so many times. I've spent so much time on there. By the way, I love what you guys do with your social media. So, okay, let's reboot. All right. So we have an amazing show for you today, guys. We are bringing you Sober Experiment. If you go over to their Instagram account, it's Sober Experiment, all one word. Uh, they're doing a lot of similar things that um, we're doing over here at From Sobriety to Recovery. And I really think it's an awesome opportunity for you to be introduced to them. Jump over on their social media, get to know Lisa Ellsworth and Alex Walker better. And in fact, you're going to have the next 30 minutes to do just that. So ladies, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you very much for having us. We're really excited. We are really excited. Thank you. And you're located all the way across the pond, are you not? We are. We're over in the sunny north part of the UK near Manchester. So sunny is that? Was that, I, I, Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's actually chucking it down right now. It's very cold, miserable, and it looks more like winter and it should be our height of summer. <laughs> I've had my wellies on today, Jesse. <laughs> well, when Alex, when you said it was sunny, I saw Lisa's face on the Zoom camera and she just she was like, nope, sunny is not what we would call this. Well, I'm located in Southern California. And uh, it, when I say that it's sunny here, it is not sarcastic. We, uh, <laughs> I, would, I would actually love to trade my weather once in a while for what y'all have. I would love a cloudy day. A nice rainy thunderstorm would be great. Uh, we don't get those very often. So let's talk about Sober Experiment. What brought you into the world of sobriety and recovery? Uh, First and foremost, let's start there. We don't have to go deep into your story about rock bottom and all that, but what sparked this Sober Experiment? I think what sparked the Sober Experiment to start with, without going into all the rock bottom and, you know, all that side of it, is our passion for being sober. We just never knew it could be so much fun. 
you know, we all we grew up thinking sober, boring, and actually we have had the best time. And I think we've just wanted to really share that with other people and remove the stigma around alcoholism and sobriety in general. I love that you bring that up. And I think I even saw a post about that on your Instagram account about how people think that sobriety and recovery is going to be boring. And in fact, it's not. And I think it's because you've released those chains, those chains of addiction. Like when you're really wasted and you're acting fun, people are always like, oh, they're just wasted. But it's like, really, I think that that fun's always in us, that childlike sense of enthusiasm. And it really yeah. seems that you're, you're, you're working uh, to show that to people and bring that out of them. Yeah, definitely. And we and we strongly believe that you shouldn't have to have ever had an alcohol dependency or have been an alcoholic to live a sober lifestyle. So, you know, we say that why, why do you have to have gone through a rock bottom to choose sober? Sober is amazing for anyone, whether you've been always been a non-drinker or you've been wasted for most of your life and at rock bottom or you've just been a moderate gray area drinker as we start to call it now well and i love that you bring that up too let's touch a little bit upon that because when a lot of people hear rock bottom they think that that means you've got to like wake up in an alley you've got no shoes no house no job nobody loves you and in reality i think it's all about what your perspective of rock bottom actually is. So now let's take an opportunity to, to, to just go a little bit into that. Again, you share as much as you decide you'd like to share, but what was it whenever, what was your turning point, your rock bottom, if you will, that said, you know what, I, I'm, I'm done, I'm out. Oh, Jesse, we've both been in all alleyways. Don't get us wrong. <laughs> we've both definitely done that part. Um, I think we classed ourselves as binge drinkers or normal drinkers and I think it's taken a, a year or two of sobriety to realize that actually what we was doing was never normal um so do you want to go first Alex oh, I was just going to ask you the same but um <laughs> very straightforward I think Lisa had been sober uh, for a year and was living you know you, you see this corny line don't you living your best life Lisa was actually living her best life um, and I wasn't, you know, we've been best friends for 30 odd years. Um, even one being sober and one being a drinker didn't drive us apart. But there were definite differences in the way that we wanted to socialize, in our behaviors, in our attitudes. Um, and actually what happened to me is I suffered a miscarriage at 12 weeks pregnant and hit my all time mental health rock bottom. And the alcohol just wasn't helping me to recover. And I was becoming very bitter, um, very resentful. And I got myself into a very dark place um, that I couldn't climb out of. And I was using alcohol to numb it out rather than trying to deal with the underlying issues. So with Lisa sober, I took the step to get sober as well. And obviously, I already had a support network in Lisa to be able to do that successfully. So that's mine in a nutshell. Lisa's is a little bit more complicated than mine. And She'll tell you about that. More, more complicated than miscarriage at 12 weeks and the, that led you to sobriety. I've got to hear this story. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no pressure. <laughs> yeah. I think uh, I've, I've tried to shorten this down in so many different ways and it's really, really difficult. But I think there was, there was just a lot going on for me. Um, I was in um, my second marriage. I've got, I had three teenagers um 
and my husband was an alcoholic he was a very very heavy drinker and I found that I was enabling a lot of the time and I was drinking more and more to kind of get on his level to save arguments this is what I kind of told myself at the time it was like oh I'll just drink I'll get on the same level and then it won't matter or it won't really annoy me um and it just became such a big part of our life we were drinking all the time and it, it was taking over our weekend meanwhile while we're drinking and arguing and all and our marriage breaking down um my youngest two teenagers were going wild and they were getting themselves into all sorts of trouble now in my area and it's not really spoken about that much but there's a lot of criminal exploitation and my 11-year-old at the time had got in with a really, really bad crowd and there was a lot going on. Um, there was a lot of missings from home. There was, my car had got stolen. There was bricks coming through windows. It was just an absolute, um, can I swear on here? It yeah. was just an absolute shit show. That was my life. It was horrific. Everything had just kind of come at me at once and um, my son also was getting into very very similar situations and I needed to show up I was like what the hell am I doing I'm going out at a weekend getting drunk with my friends complaining about my alcoholic husband worries me that all my kids are going to pot and my life's going to pot and and that's not me it's um I say this all the time I'm such a, a I'm quite a positive person I've always been like that I'm very into my health my well-being and my mindfulness meditation and nothing was aligning with my true beliefs really so I'd kind of like I was just really lost really really lost and after a really bad hangover and not making it to work on the Monday morning like saying to the kids like please please bring me water bring me water um, I just thought, come on, Lisa, this is not you. And very often I found myself in situations, you know, when you're really drunk and I'd been in kitchens or parties and there'd be cocaine lying about and drink lying about. And, and I used to sit there and look and think, even in a really drunk state, I was getting to the point like, what are you doing? You're like, this is not all right. So yeah, after a very terrible hangover, not not making it to work, I thought that is it. Something has got to change, and I I decided to take on because um, I felt so ill. And you know, when you say I'm never drinking again, that's it. <laughs> that that's kind of what I did. But I put it on my social media, and I'd seen a few other people doing experiments of like a hundred days or thirty days. And I was that ill. I was like, I'm going to do a hundred. That is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to tell everybody about it. And if I tell everybody about it, then there is no going back. So that's kind of where the experiment started. Well, that's an awesome story. That's really interesting, too, for both of you, the different experiences you were having with your drinking and how it still led you both to sobriety and recovery. And obviously, we have Alex having you, Lisa, to, to fall back on and say, look, this is this can be done. And I think it's interesting because you guys are, you know, you're England, um, United States. And over here, 
it is often said that, oh, the country that has the drinking problem is England. Those people, boy, do they know how to drink. And I look around and I say, well, they have less people than us. So maybe it's more condensed. But I was like, if you take all of our top drinkers and you put them next to theirs, we could probably end up as in the final of the World Cup of drinking. And so I think <laughs> I just think it's funny that I don't know what you guys say about the United States drinking, but I can assure you it's like when people say, oh, well, we're not as bad as the UK. I'm like, I don't know why on earth you would think that. I was like, we have a lot of people over here. And I think it's really beautiful that what you created with your sober experiment, it's like, and there's a lot of different uh, people out there with this idea of, look, 30, 60, 90, 100 days, just try it on for size. When, um, you know, that here's a great question, Lisa, when you were encouraging Alex to step into this world of sobriety and recovery that you had already been doing for a year, what were some of those initial uh, coaching aspects that you brought to the table to say, look, this, this, is, this is way better. Just give it a chance. I think you in the beginning, that, Lisa, sorry, yeah. you that, I just want to say that a lot of what Lisa did was silent. I, she, she, ne she didn't push me into sobriety in any way, shape or form. She just led by example in a really clever way. And I don't even think Lisa would be able to tell you how she does this. But this is what Lisa does. This is Lisa's strength. Lisa has so many people messaging her, aside from the sober experiment, wanting to live how she lives and it a lot of it was not coaching necessarily I, there is some and I know that she'll answer that in a second but a lot of it was just me seeing wow look at her go <laughs> it was the way she depicted it. it it wasn't necessarily anything other than being truthful and being authentic about it and I just wanted a piece of it but yeah there was definitely coaching I think from your aspect because you I'm needier than you aren't I Lisa fact <laughs> She's pretty needy, Jesse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I'm really interested yeah. in what you did, Lisa, to to exude this. Look at the this is you know without rubbing it in people's noses, right? Because I you, I yeah. don't know you very well, but I can just tell after this short exchange so far, you're not like, look at me, I am rocking this world. Right. Like you're very like, hey, this is just what this is just how I'm rolling. So is there can you put into words what it what it is that you were showing on maybe social media or just saying out there in the real world whenever Alex would come across you that just exuded this? There is a better way. Just give it a shot. Like, what did that look like for you? You know what I think it is and what I've always done um, is. <laughs> Because I'm such a believer in like affirmations and putting it out there, I would often put things out there that was advice to myself. So I used my social media as a little bit of a diary. So I was just really honest about how I was feeling and what I was going through. But every single thing that I went through in the beginning, I found that it was just so much easier without drink and I couldn't not share that. So when I was dealing with things, you know, like social workers and um, police and all these things, I was just always so grateful. And I used to just think, oh, imagine if I'd have been drinking at that moment. So I'd kind of put the things that I was grateful for out there. It wasn't like you come and get sober. It was just like, I am so grateful that I'm not drinking. So I could have dealt with this or I could have done with that or and positive, inspiring posts about self-care and looking after yourself. But actually, 
I wasn't really doing that myself. That was me telling myself to do it, but at the same time, inspiring other people, if that kind of makes any sense. <laughs> well, it makes a ton of sense because I talk about on this show a lot. Like I'm not, I'm not, don't build a statue in my honor. I'm not the hundred percent hero in sobriety and recovery. A lot of the things I post about on my social media, just like you are encouragements to myself. There are things I'm like, Ooh, I really, I see where I could have done that just a smidge bit better today, you know? And so I'll find something that really sparks me up. I like to say that Tony Robbins is the guru of all gurus when it comes to life coaching around the world. And that guy still has problems. He still has to push himself through these self-imposed limitations. So it's great that you use the social media to encourage yourself and in the process it encouraged other people. Do you get feedback from your followers, from your listeners to your show about how what you say encourages them to live their best life? Yeah, all the time we get, that is what people genuinely like about us. When people describe us, they use several catchphrases that come up all the time. Uh, non-preachy, non-judgmental, brutally honest. That's one, one kind of lot. I don't know if you've heard out there of Ant and Deck. <laughs> Ant and Deck are um, a male duo in the UK. They are probably the most famous TV personalities. And we get called the Ant and Deck of sobriety. <laughs> um, that sounds like a really other, great compliment. It is. Yeah, really we just wish Ant and Deck knew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the other kind of thing is, feedback on our podcast people always just say you're so relatable you're down to a you're honest we get it we get a lot of messages about our podcast just saying that could have been my story that you've just told um we're just we don't leave anything out we're just very very transparent um we don't pretend to be anything we're not we don't pretend to have hit the rock bottom that some addicts and some alcoholics have hit we never pretend that we're very honest about our story, our journey, and what helped us to get there. And if that means we can help other people like us or anyone, then that's all we that's all we want. Well, I think it's really important that the idea of a rock bottom is really thoroughly discussed in society because I think it is this misguided belief that rock bottom again in the alley no shoes no phone nobody loves mm -hmm. you no job and so people who have, have hit the point where they're done they're like i don't want to do this anymore but they look around and they have a house and they have a mortgage and they have a car payment and they're doing all of this stuff and they're like well then i'm just a functioning alcoholic and then that's okay but it's it's not because your best life is literally on the other side of door to sobriety and recovery so i love that you really put some emphasis on rock bottom doesn't need to look like what television movies media or whatever vision you have in your head it can just be you wake up one day and you're like i am tired of all of these hangovers and that for both of us was it we were sick i was sick of vomiting i was sick of <laughs> sitting in a corner and questioning what was real i was sick of lying on my bed and crying because i didn't want to exist anymore I was just so sick and tired of being sick and tired. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm oh, cliche. I'm sorry, Alex. Not me. I'm such Only a butter that. in. I've yeah. always done it. We, we both do it. But and we don't mind. Turn to <laughs> <laughs> I think um, we get so excited to say something. <laughs> <laughs> I think what often you don't realise is when like Alex says about a crying and you know about the anxiety and 
sick of this and sick of that. We don't often connect it with alcohol. We don't connect what's going on and think that alcohol actually has anything to do with it. And that's kind of what we love working on is opening people's minds and thinking, well, actually, have you thought that if you're feeling stressed at work or you're feeling really anxious or everything's going wrong, that that's actually because you're drinking. And it's that connection, we hide it from ourselves. And because it's so normalized drinking, nobody puts the two and two together. Like one of the things that kept me sober was I was fuming. I was so mad that we'd been lied to our entire lives about alcohol and the so-called benefits of it. It's just rubbish. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't come down well, off your soapbox. Yeah, no, I'm, well, I'm off it. I'm off I, it. I, I I get I get a lot of uh emails and letters tell me at, at the last five minutes or so maybe sometimes longer I get a, I, I, I get into this like inspirational rant and it's uh and I'm like and I've even asked like should I stop doing these guys and they're like no we love I've gotten a lot of no we love that part and so yeah I don't call it a soapbox as much as I like to call it the inspirational diatribe um, but I, I love what you've referenced there because there is a lie in society I mean alcohol companies pay for tests to be done that say that red wine will keep breast cancer away even though any Anybody who's who reads the real reports will show that leading cause of breast cancer is wine. And so I, I would love that you're touching upon this lie that we're, we're fed at such a young age because we see the parents and every time you go to a, a social function, adults have to drink. They, oh, I can't even stand kids' birthday parties unless I've got a sixer with me. Well, then, I mean, then you're, then you're all standing around the cooler drinking the beer and you're not playing with the kids. So I love that you're really touching upon this. Um, are most of your listeners located there in England, in the UK? Are you getting predominantly there or do you hear other people? I mean, I'm always interested in knowing where listenerships come from because I feel like that's, it really gives you an idea of what countries, what people are really tired of the hangovers. We a lot of UK, don't we? UK, Australia, and, New Zealand, um, and the US. I think that's yeah, kind of four. yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I look at my stats, that's where they all tend to be, which is great because I'm like, okay, good, because I know that you know here in the states, we're told at a very young age, like you know, it's like I you're told that you, when you celebrate, you celebrate with alcohol. So how am I supposed to enjoy my college graduation if I can't drink? Or what happens whenever my daughter or son get married and I want to toast? I'm like, well, who said there has to be champagne? It could just be sparkling water. And I bet you, you'll remember the entire wedding. I've literally watched one of my best friends. His mom was so into drinking her beer that, she, that because there was only wine available at the reception after the wedding, she left and went back to her hotel room and so she could drink the beer there and missed all of the fun at the reception over beer. It breaks relationships up. You know, we were talking about this the other day um, and people who get asked to stop drinking by somebody they love sometimes will choose to not stop drinking and leave the person they love. And, yeah. it, and it's heartbreaking because it's just, they, they're addicted and it, we're, not, we're not waking up and accepting still as a very educated society that alcohol is an addictive, dangerous drug. This is not all about the person. Yes, there are genetic predispositions to disease of addiction. Yes, there is all this research to show it runs in families. But the biggest factor in addiction to alcohol is the alcohol, because it's addictive. Mm -hmm. And we, we're working at 
every single day. You know, this is this is a, it's the most harmful drug on the planet. It's been identified as such because it has the biggest economic impact, the biggest social impact, the biggest impact on family, not to mention personal life, physical health and mental health. There's no other drug damages all those things in the same way that alcohol does. No, there, there really isn't. And I, I, uh, I talk a lot on the show about how sugar is one of the most deadly drugs that are, that's on the planet uh, because of what it does to people's physical health. But when it comes and it does, and it does a lot to the mental health as well, whenever you're dealing with diabetes and yeah. obesity, but as far as like destroying a family, I don't think overeating German chocolate cake will ever do that to someone as much as alcohol. And you'll literally see this, the generations. And for me, I was told that my uh, alcohol alcoholism ran in the family. So I took it as permission rather than a deterrent. And so is when you guys started getting into your sober experiment, were you trying to break a lot of these beliefs that people had that they could only have fun drinking that, oh, well, my dad was an alcoholic. So that's okay if I'm one too. I mean, what are those beginning steps that you started to see a majority of people needing to go through in order to step into this sobriety and recovery journey with confidence that they could achieve it? There's two things, isn't there, Lisa, really? I mean, my dad was an alcoholic. If you took every member of my family prior to me getting sober and asked who was the least likely to need to get sober, they would have pointed at me. There are other people in my family who would more fit the stereotype of addicted, dependent, alcoholic, and so on. So I think, first of all, you've got to work on people's mindset and show them that you'll be lied to. That is, that is the, one of the very first things that we look at is the myths and the truths, um, you know, the myth around what a sober person is, what a drunk person is, and, and the myth around, you know, what, why do we believe that we need alcohol? to celebrate you know my four-year-old celebrates every single day jumping around on the spot full of and joy and it's genuine real joy he's not falling over harming anybody calling anyone names or sat in his own mind wondering whether he's good enough so that's part of the work we do is just to look at the actual lies and truths around alcohol itself um but then I guess it's hard, isn't it? Because everybody is such a subjective thing. You know, Lisa and, and, I, and my story are very different, but we've taken the same journey, haven't we, Lisa? Yeah, definitely. And I think that's why we can reach so many people, because although we've taken, you know, we've had, we've dealt with such very, very different things and now you know it's just awesome that we can both be sober together and help each other with that but I think like you say Alex it's about helping people realize that alcohol is not the the answer for stress or anxiety or you know all these things um and it's so amazing you know when you get a message off somebody and they're like we had one yesterday off um one of our coaching clients and she was like it's my birthday one of my friends has told me that I'm going to need a drink and I'm going to tell her I don't <laughs> and it's just like yes <laughs> and it, that's just so lovely watching people start for it to just click and for them to realize 
You're such a sports dominated culture, just like just like the states. That is definitely something that we supremely have in common. And it's you know it's definitely known over here that before the footy, people like to go to the pub and you know get you know drink it up before you know you got your English Premier League games going on. How have you seen? You know, I mean, it's it, it's over here. I mean, NFL football Sunday, every single sports bar is packed to the hilt. And that was one of the things I was super worried about. In fact, I didn't really go to traditional meetings until the very first football season of my sobriety year of, of year one. I started going to refuge recovery because I was like, okay, I need to have some steps in place in case a sporting event triggers me. And uh, it, it became very evident very early on that actually sober watching sports was just as fun. You could still be that four-year-old, like you said, your four-year-old jumps up and down with enthusiasm because they love their life. You can still have that at, at 40 and be able to watch your, your game. Um, in fact, I remember it now, which is I used to never remember football games. I always would, I'd be blacked out by the fourth quarter of game one, let alone never remember game two. How have you seen the people that you've, gotten sober helped guide sober they've reached out to you how has their attitude around sports changed and are they able to still enjoy this it's a difficult one that for us because we don't really we're not really surrounded by a sports culture as such around well, pub isn't it i think yeah is it the pub was, life then? And, yeah, and, it's a bit yeah, and, pub life yeah and i think and what, people who did watch sport would go to the pub to watch yeah we have had a couple of like well more than a couple but a few men who have watched the football sober and said I actually remembered the game and things like that I can't think of any incidents where it's put them off it's more whether it triggers them because of the and I think this is what you were touching on earlier when you say you know about the US maybe being as bad as the UK I think the issue with the UK is we do not have any venues anymore that don't have alcohol attached to them in some way. Mm. So you cinema, they serve alcohol. You go to the bowling alley, they serve alcohol. You go to a restaurant, they serve alcohol. Even some of our coffee shops serve alcohol. So it's so, I think when you say it's worse, it's just so normalized that that should be part of your life to drink wherever you go, whether it be sport, whether it be, going to the cinema you know it there, there are more people talking about what am I going to do with my car no matter where they go than where am I going to go there isn't anything anymore I can't think of anything to do anymore Lisa that doesn't have alcohol attached to it can you well yeah because only because I've well, learned for us. yeah yeah like well, if you were in events and things like that it's all about drinking isn't it it definitely Concerts, is, but, everything. yeah 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 and that's a bummer because you're right. When you think about it, it's it's almost like, well, if the adults are going to be there, you better have booze or no one's going to want to go there. I mean, I've yeah. watched people who've had only a wine and beer wedding reception and, you know, an hour or two into it, everybody's at the hotel bar and they're missing all the cool stuff inside the wedding reception, all because they, they got to be able to drink their shots. And I don't think even over here, I don't think that there's anywhere adults go 
where there's not alcohol. I mean, there's a, a new, the newest craze over here seems to be axe throwing. And they don't sell alcohol at the axe throwing place because you're throwing axes. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> so that is one. So I will stand corrected. There are some places over here, uh, the shooting range, uh, we're big into yeah. our guns over here. They don't allow alcohol there, but I would be willing to bet that people leave those places and go to a, and get a drink afterwards. Yeah, meet at the pub beforehand, meet at the pub afterwards or at the bar or whatever it is. But um, yeah, I think that's it. You know, like we do a lot of walking, particularly Lisa um, with one of her other social groups that she runs. And now she sees the beauty in the walk. But before it would have been a case of let's meet in the pub. Let's, you know, or let's go on a walk. And afterwards we can go for a pint. <laughs> let's go for dinner afterwards. Oh, and they serve wine, you know, so. Yeah, I think I think the issue is it needs to be unnormalized. I know that's not even really grammatically. Correct. We're working on it. We're working yeah. on it. <laughs> Do you find, you know, I, I OK, I li- again, I live in Los Angeles. I don't think there's a stigma around much of anything in this city because we're just such a melting pot. But I do I do know people who are sober in smaller towns like Oklahoma City, Indianapolis, some of our smaller cities that they say that there's a stigma around telling people that you're in a sobriety and recovery. So let's talk specifically yeah. about you said you're, you're near Manchester. Is there a stigma that people, when they hear you say you're sober, that they think that you're less than, or that they think they, do you find that people immediately start to ask you about your drinking to see if they can compare to what they are experiencing yeah. versus what you're experiencing? Like, well, tell me how many beers were you drinking <laughs> tonight? So I can tell myself, so I can justify my addiction to me. <laughs> Yeah, you get that, don't you, a lot, Lisa? Like, well, my drinking's just not that bad. (laughs) (laughs) I love that one. I love that one. They do. um, When I first stopped, people genuinely think you're barking mad for stopping drinking. It's so crazy. And one of the questions, and you see this really early on with people stopping, one of the biggest fears of stopping is telling people. One, because they'll think they'll be judged and people will think you're an alcoholic for stopping. We're like, but you're stopping. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like so crazy. But like Alex says, it's that, oh, I'm not that bad. I remember one of my friends is like, well, I don't need to stop drinking. And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but you, I mean, even people in like, so you've got two stories where people in professional. Oh, pop- yeah social worker and a teacher have both commented one told you to drink yeah and the other told her daughter oh your poor mom because she thought she had a drink problem because she does a podcast you know this is so embedded in everybody that in order to be sober you must be alcoholic so yeah there's a huge stigma I mean you'd have to look at the fridges in the shops to see what the size of the stigma you know our Heineken Zeros get like, you know, eight in the corner, not even in the fridge in my local shop. And the fridge is stocked full of white wine and beer and the rest of it. So, yeah. And, and I got warned during lockdown. I picked up four Heineken Zero and I was coming out the shop and he went, you do know they've got no alcohol in, don't you? Um, is that the right way around of warning somebody? Shouldn't you be warning everybody about your bloody fridge? Excuse me. <laughs> yeah like you know that's really like 20 percent you know you're going to stay sober and you're really not going to be able to place yourself off that what on earth are you going to do you're spending your money on 
basically fizzy tasting Heineken with no alcohol in it. Are you sure you want to be making this decision right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I get that, you know, alcohol-free drinks can trigger some people and they're not for everybody. And if you can drink them, that's fine. If you can't, that's also fine. But, you know, should we be warning people that there is no alcohol in something like that in a cautious kind of way? It's just so wrong. The education around it is you're the oddball for not and everybody who's drinking is normal and it shows up in so many ways. You know, I could give you hundreds of examples, hundreds of examples yeah. where it shows up as just being normalised. The thing is as well, Alex, like, you know, when I was drinking and if I picked up four Heineken Zero, I'd have been fuming when I got home. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of like, it's not like we've not been. And I think when you can see it and you've actually been there, it's really hard. You know, we can't really judge people for saying these things because it's something that we would have said or we would have done. And we would, you know, if somebody had stopped drinking, if I was on a night out and they was like, I'm not drinking, I'd have literally gone, oh, that's nice, and turned around and spoke to my drinking people. So we've definitely been in, we've done it. We've been there. We've done it. Well, now we wear sober (laughs) (laughs) T-shirts. Well, and I do believe, you know, the more that uh, celebrities, that people in the limelight, that when you see them get sober and they talk about the amazing life they can have, I I definitely think it helps. It's a shame that people need to, to find out that, you know, Robert Downey Jr. or somebody super famous is sober. And, oh, well, okay. I mean, well, they have all the money in the world and they go to great parties and they can do a sober. It's a shame that, that people, and I'm sure you have your own yeah. celebrities over there that people would recognize. Uh, it's a shame that we need them to, to bring it out of the shadows and, and, and just let everybody know, like it, it is, I mean, it is a lie. We are sold at a very young age that we are, we are just, frothing at the mouth to get legal so that we can start drinking so we can feel like an adult and then we feel like oh look at all this adulting i'm doing because i can drink 15 beers in a night and not crash my car into a tree that is not a win i mean (laughs) we we saw a, a post the opposite the other day so a celebrity post on instagram and the lady on it was terribly hungover and the post was about that oh gosh yeah that was a celebrity that was a celebrity and the comments underneath it were like, I love you even more now you've got a hangover. Oh my God, you're my hero. And it's just it, so, so, it's sad. It, you know, this is not coming from a judgy place. It's sad because it's like, you know, once you know it, you can't unknow it and you can see it everywhere. But you're walking around blinkered until you know it. And that's what's got to change. We've got to educate people. And that's, you know, that's what we do. That's what, that's what our account's all about. Well, and let's talk about your program as we wrap up the show here. And, you know, if uh, my listeners, anybody who dis- discovers you guys goes over and they, and they get involved in your sober experiment, what, is that, what does that look like for them? What, what are the mindset shifts that you're going to put them through? What are the things that you're going to introduce them to that perhaps they haven't even thought of or they've thought about in passing, and now you're really going to illuminate? So in terms of the individuals, because we have we have different kind of branches to the sober experiment so in terms of the individuals we do coach we do coaching calls but we also have two fairly self-managed 30-day experiments Um, and what they do is they get daily inspirational videos with a little activity in a journal and they're expected to carry that out every single day it takes five ten minutes no more every single day to take them from the mindset of 
I can't drink to I no longer want to drink. And we do all sorts um, from identifying the marketing of alcohol, um, the, the myths around sober and drunk, some positive affirmations, meditation, mindfulness, exercise. So all of those things. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's transformation, but it's self-realization as well. It's, it's very independently done and it's what works for us. So we don't claim that it's going to change the world and make every single person go sober, but we do claim that we know it's worked for us and it's worked for oh, hundreds of people now that we've helped with it. So that's, that's what we do with the individuals. Um, but our biggest thing is we work also with kind of, um, rehab centres, schools, colleges, universities, and the biggest one is the workplaces. Do you want to talk about the workplaces a bit? <laughs> yeah, I can do. Um, I think it's important to say as well that um, the 30-day experiment, this kind of funds the work that we do in the rehabs and the schools and 10% of everything that we um that we make goes to our chosen charity, which is NACOA, which is the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. And um, we're really passionate about that and think it's important. But yeah, the workplaces, we kind of, this has been our passion from the beginning, hasn't it? It's yeah. like, let's go to workplaces and tell them what they're doing is all a load of rubbish, but how do we do it <laughs> in, a real, in a really good way? Um, but now we do like these alcohol, drug and mental health awareness presentations where we just go in and it's kind of a little bit like, well, they all get access to the 30 day experiment, but we work with them to kind of, so they realise the effects that even that one glass of wine that they may be relying on after work to relieve the stress of the day is actually not relieving the stress of the day and it's making it a lot worse for the day after. So we're kind of, again, it's um, breaking myths and stigmas, isn't it? And it's just so much fun. And again, to see in the workplace, you know, we walk in and they're like, oh my God, the sober experiment. Oh, oh, they're going to make us stop drinking. And by the end of it, they're like, I'll give that a go. You're right about that. And it's, watching the minds open up it's just so much fun and we've do. just put and that it really, online really helps them yeah yeah we've, we've just, just put this online, online now so it's actually available worldwide, worldwide. worldwide. <laughs> <laughs> so the and sober, our accreditation is worldwide so so the sober experiment it's because it, i'm over here on your instagram account this is what you just said just got worldwide was you being able to because it, it's over here or is there something else bigger that I'm not aware of that when you say worldwide? So our workplace presentations now, instead of just being able to go into workplaces and work with huge groups of people, um, and, it, and I mean huge in the thousands we, we do them, we're now able to present over Zoom. Um, there's various platforms, Microsoft Teams, and we've actually got an online presentation that we do with employees now. So, you know, if, if you wanted it in Australia, we can do it in Australia. If you wanted it in the US, we can do it in the US. Is this something that people can purchase and, and be able to show at their workplaces? Or is this a live presentation that you do with you two, you know, being awesome like you are here? <laughs> Thank you. At the moment, it's like, at the moment, it is live. Um, we did do a recorded version, but we decided that it's not going to have the same impact as dialogue. We don't want to be 
a monologue you know we want to be a dialogue and that's so yes it's live at the moment however very very shortly we are launching our workplace courses that will be able to be purchased and be done more as an individual with some access to us in between that's beautiful oh i love what you're doing i think i anybody out there who wants to step into this world wants to hear a different voice than mine. I'm always encouraging people to go out and listen to other podcasts that aren't just me because I have my take and and you have your take. And while they're similar in some regards, they're different in others. And the whole point is that we get people on the journey to sobriety and recovery, realizing that it's not a destination, that it's, you know, uh, uh, somebody I was talking to the other day, he likes to call it, he says it's life term, not long term. And, you know, I love the idea that this is just life and, and it really is three and a half years, three and a half years in it for me. Um, and there's not a part of me that ever even, you know, the cravings, you know, they're always going to hit here and there. Right. But it's like the idea that I would ever step back into that world. It's like a movie I've seen a thousand times and I know every single line to, to the point where it's like, I could have acted in the movie. That's how I see all my drinking. I'm like, I don't, I already know how that story ends. And, it, and, and it's really not fun. So thank you for being amazing and, and sharing your story. What is, uh, if you could, if magically you could have a microphone that everybody around the world would be able to hear you and there was a message you wanted to get out to the entire planet, uh, it could be around their drinking. It could just be around the way that they see their lives, whatever that is. I want you both to take this opportunity. Lisa, let's start with you. What would be the... What would be that one message you would want the whole world to hear you say about whatever it is that you're passionate about? You know, I knew you'd come to me first. What you resist <laughs> will persist. <laughs> <laughs> and mine would be that you can be okay, you can be happy, and you don't need a drink to do that. I think, it, you know, it, it takes time and it takes courage and it takes practice but it's possibly the most the best thing you can ever do just believe in yourself and that I know that sounds really cliche um but it's but it's true I just think you've got everything that you need inside and I'm now I'm even going more cliche but you have you've got it right there and I think stopping drinking will help you find that real version of yourself that you've probably lost or you don't know that is that even there anymore there might be a tiny tiny bit that you can see and that just grows and grows and grows and it's just the best thing in the world everybody should do it <laughs> everybody here here that's a beautiful message i love that okay Alex, you're up. I know you're excited. We gave you a couple of minutes to do it first. I know. I know you're. That'll oh. be short and sweet. We're not putting in now, are we? <laughs> sober is not boring. And you do not have to be an alcoholic to live a sober lifestyle. Sober's just, it's amazing. And it's, it's not just a shift that you have to have experienced something terrible to want because that's where you're going to find your best life is living a sober one. And do not be ashamed of shouting from the rooftops, I am sober, because the more people that do, the more normal we can make sober. And when I say normal, I mean normal as in accepted, because we're definitely not normal in terms of how much fun and excitement we bring to the table. Beautiful. 
beautiful. I love what you're doing over there at the Sober Experiment. I think that uh, hopefully my listeners will, will flock to you and, and check out what you've done. I love your social media. It's so well organized. It really is a, a conduit for people to find out more information, to get inspiration, motivation. Um, what you're doing you know, across the pond is, is beautiful. I love that we've made this America to England connection today. Thank you so much, both of you, for being on the show and for introducing yourself to my to my listeners and for you know for me getting a chance to learn other people who are doing similar stuff to me. It just you, you inspire me to just want to step it up and go off and talk to some schools and let's let's get this into businesses. So yeah. I, love, I love I just love you're very assertive with your uh, message. And, and I think it's in a very p- positive way, not in a, in any way, a pushy way. It's just, Hey, this is what's available to you and, and you should join us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. This has been brilliant. All right, my friends. So that was it. You have now been introduced to the sober experiment, please. I will put their links to their social media um, in the show notes. So if that's something that you're interested in doing, I highly recommend you jump over there, start to follow them, um, check out their podcast, please. And as, as always, you know, just look around and, and see what other avenues, what other information is out there for you. I don't need to be your only voice. I do appreciate being a voice, but there are so many different tools and resources and different perspectives that will help you learn how to live your best life. Remember, it's not so bright that can suck. It's just life sometimes. And it's all about a mindset. Okay. So inclusivity over exclusivity, the power of positive energy, release and flow until we meet again. See you next week. Bye-bye.